Well, good Monday, everyone. My name is Manny Rodriguez, and thank you for joining me for Mondays with Manny. Uh, today is June the 8th, uh, 2020, and today we're going to be talking about database decision making. It's a topic that uh, uh, has been, I've been talking to many clients and colleagues alike over the last few weeks, and I thought it would be a kind of a neat uh, topic to to, uh, to bring to Mondays with Manny. Of course, Mondays with Manny is sponsored by Business Science Magazine, 305 Publishing, uh, the OBM Alliance, and of course, my colleagues at Bueno Ventures. So for those who are joining me live, uh, stay tuned. We'll do a quick Q&A um, at the end that won't be recorded. That's just for you. Uh, for all those who are watching this video and listening to the podcast, thank you for very much for taking the time to, to join me on Mondays with Manny. So today's topic I wanted to talk about is database decision making. So this is kind of an interesting topic. If you were to Google uh, database decision making, you're going to get um, flooded with different things from business journals, uh, journals of psychology, uh, economics, uh, behavioral economics, things from the stock market. It's kind of an interesting mixed bag. Um, and sometimes it's actually referred to as data-driven decision-making, DDDM. That comes from the business journals. And um, But even more interesting, it's actually highlighted as a method um, in the education industry, where the education industry uh, looks at demographics and academic performance. They do it by school and by school district. And, uh, and so there's a lot of... Um, literature and research in the world of education in the education industry around data-driven decision making. Now, of course, in the business world, um, data helps us drive the business, right? It helps us, it gives us insights into the market, gives us insights into our competitors, um, and it always leads to action. <clears throat> and um, not, not so much a book today, I don't have a book reference today, but I do have an article that I'm going to be um, kind of citing uh, pretty heavily. It's um, uh, by Marr uh, in 2016. Last name is Marr, M-A-R-R. And the title, of course, is Data-Driven Decision-Making, 10 Simple Steps for Any Business. And it was written in Forbes.com. Um, <clears throat> I got it back in 2018. The article's still alive and well. It's doing well. And uh, so I'm going to share with you as kind of a tail end to Mondays with Manny. I'm going to share with you those 10 simple steps for any business to really foster data-driven decision-making. Um, now, before we go that, there is some behavior analytic uh, literature out there to help us really understand uh, database decision-making. And so the first thing around behavioral science is to always look at the behavior. So what behaviors are we talking about? When we talk about database decision-making, we're really talking about three specific behaviors. One is gathering data. So we have to assemble the data, right? Compile the data. Uh, so go get it, right? What data are we looking for? Whether it's student success, student achievement in the classroom, whether it's attendance records, whether it's sales records, you know, what's the data? We got to go get it. The second behavior is we got to review the data. So now this is kind of the analytical part of data collection. Now we got to sit there and we got to look at it. What's the data telling us? Um, is it informing us of anything actually? What's the trend line? What's the, what's the data tell us in terms of current performance versus past performance? So this is the analysis side of things and that's a, a heavy set of behavior. And then the last, of course, we're talking about database decision-making and the third behavior is listing all the possible decisions, including past ones, um, that are not a common, and this is not a common behavior, by the way, but to list all of the possible decisions that we can make based on this, based on this data. And that's where the decision-making comes from. 
Now, from a, from a behavior analysis standpoint, we know that that's behavior, but something has to trigger the behavior, what we call antecedents, right? So the antecedents for such behaviors are things like there's a need for a decision, right? There's like a burning issue or an ongoing business need that we haven't addressed yet. Or maybe there's just a new idea that somebody has that presents itself that we need to think about. Uh, another antecedent would be past performance. So maybe there's some data that we review ongoing uh, every month, every quarter, every year, and we start looking at that data and it's all in the past, but it helps us guide towards the future. So it triggers us to do these behaviors. And then of course, there's also past decisions. So sometimes a past decision is brought to the table to trigger us to talk about new decision-making. So did I, you know, in my own household, for example, did I use the right fertilizer? Did I, did I, um, did I put the right insecticide out in the lawn? You know, what was my past decisions towards doing my new decision of what am I going to do this summer to my lawn, right? Simple example, but the idea is the same. Past decisions trigger new decisions. But here's the rub, right? So in the behavior analysis world, we also talk about consequences. So these behaviors of gathering data, reviewing data, and then listing all these possible decisions, what's going to uh, happen as a result? And typically, it's a mixed bag of consequences. So consequences, of course, is what happens after behavior. So we make the right decision. That's a positive consequence, right? That's really helpful. We make the wrong decision. That's also helpful. We can learn from that. But it's kind of discouraging. There's kind of mixed opinions on our decision, right? So have you ever made a decision where some people agreed with you and some people didn't? I know I have plenty of time, right? So, so the mixed opinions of decisions, that's, that's a consequence to us. And then new data, new data could be presented for new decisions to be made in the future, right? So there's always this like cycle of decision making. And uh, so those are all consequences. We have to be aware of these things because if we want people to um, improve on data-based decision making, we got to understand that for every time we say that, there's a set of behaviors that happen, there's things that trigger it, and things that are going to happen as a result. So in terms of behavioral science, there is a number of different uh, articles and, uh, and a couple of books. I'm putting them, for those in the chat, in the live group, I'm putting them all in the chat room so you can copy and paste. Um, and for those that are listening, I'll put them in the, uh, in the link as well. You'll see them on the screen. Um, but for example, there's an article in Psychological Science in the 1990 uh, by, a guy uh, by someone named Racklin um, titled, Why Do People Gamble? And keep gambling despite heavy losses. So that's the title, right? And that's all about database decision making. Gambling is a is a great set of research on gambling around why people uh, gamble and why they keep gambling. And it's all based on reinforcement schedules and all that good stuff. Uh, B.F. Skinner, back in 1969, he wrote a, a book called Contingencies of Reinforcement, and it was an excellent, excellent read. Um, but it talks it's a, it's it's working on the premise of decision making. And then last but not least, a little earlier, a little uh, more recent, 1994, um, authors uh, Hentula and Crowell, they wrote Intermittent Reinforcement and Escalation Process and Sequential Decision-Making. That was in the Journal of Organizational Behavior Management. It's a mouthful of a, of a title, but essentially it describes decision-making from a, from a behavioral point of view. And here's kind of the gist of it. The, the thing we need to know about database decision-making is that there's a sequence of events that are pretty critical in the analysis of decision-making. So we can't just say decision-making happens in, once, in one moment in time. 
there's behaviors that happen before, there's the behavior itself of making the decision, and then there's things that happen afterwards, right? Behaviors that happen afterwards. So there's a sequence of events that refers to database decision-making. And I kind of tried to describe them earlier, right? The need for a decision, past performance, then you're gathering data, you're reviewing the data, you're listing all the possible decisions, you make the decision, then you analyze the decision, right? So there's a sequence of events. The other thing about decision-making from a behavioral science point of view is that decision-making uses persistence and escalation tactics based on reinforcement histories and a sequential pattern. Uh, this is all versus like personal characteristics like my personal bias versus your personal bias. From a pure behavioral standpoint, we're just talking about the behavior of very much being persistent and escalating, be, uh, escalating type behaviors to getting to that decision. So think about that in context of the workplace. You have a decision that you need made. You have a problem that you're trying to solve. You have to escalate that problem. You have to get the right people involved. You have to get input from other people. You get the data, you bring the data, you get them all talking about the data, and then you're making a group decision. That's a, that's a, a series of persistent and escalation tactics versus just making the decision on your own. So that's what we're talking about in decision-making. And in short, what we're trying to do is we're trying to analyze what decisions are made and how decisions are made in relation to time. See, I'm not worried about what decisions you're going to make next year or five years from now. I'm worried about things that you are making decisions on today based on the past and based on what you predict as potential in the future. So that's, that's really important. All right, so on to that Forbes article. So in that Forbes article, the author wrote 10 simple steps for any business um, to use to really foster data-driven decision-making. And I thought these were really helpful uh, 10, 10 steps. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of double-click on a couple of them. But let me list the 10 steps first, okay? And, and again, for those in the, uh, in the chat room, I'm just going to put them in there um, in the chat room. And then uh, for those that are in that are watching or listening. Uh, if you're watching the video, you'll see the 10 steps highlighted on the screen because I'll put that after editing. So number one, start with strategy. Every organization has a strategy, has a strategic plan, has an annual plan. Always start with strategy. That way, every decision you're, you're making is linked back to the overall strategy. Number two, hone in on the business area. The problem exists. The problem may not exist all over the company, may not, may not exist all over in every department. So try to focus in on, hone in on, narrow the search to what is the business area that we're focusing on. Is it sales? Is it quality? Is it production? In the world of education, is it a certain grade level? Is it a certain classroom? Is it a certain uh, teacher or a group of teachers? Maybe it's the math department instead of the general population of teachers. So we got to know what the right business area is. Number three, identify your unanswered business questions. So what questions are you trying to ask or answer, right? Based on the, based on the data, what questions are you trying to get at? So ask those questions. Good research always starts with what are the research questions? Number four, find the data to answer your questions. So this is that gathering the data part of the behavior we talked about before. Number five, identify what data you already have. It's always a good idea just to start with where you are. If you're trying to find data and it doesn't exist, you're wasting a whole lot of time. So just start with what you got. Number six, work out if the cost and effort are justified. So here what we're trying to do, now we, um, we have activity going on right? There's, a, there's work being done. There's a problem we're trying to solve. 
we're trying to make database decision, to make those database decisions, we have to know based on the current performance, what's the cost and effort, right? Is it justified? Sometimes we work really, really hard. It costs a lot of money or it costs a lot of time and headache, but the ends justify the means. All right, number seven, collect the data. So again, gather the data, right? Number eight, analyze the data. Makes sense. Number nine, present and distribute the insights. See here, this is really important because sometimes when we are, uh, if we are the decision maker and we have the data in our fingertips, we just want to make the decisions. But sometimes, it's, most of the time, it's really a good idea to stakeholder your data, meaning get input from other people, distribute what your insights are about the data, and see if you can get some consensus towards the decision itself. Always a good idea. And last but not least, number 10, incorporate the learning of the decision into the business. So depending on what the situation is, you have a, a decision that you've made, how do you incorporate that into the business? Do you add it to the policies? Do you add it to procedures? Are you gonna be training new, are you gonna be training in, uh, staff members on the, on the decision? Are you gonna send out a corporate-wide memo? Um, so there's all those kind of things that you have to incorporate into the into the business itself. So those are the 10 simple steps uh, for any business. And that's whether you're in the education industry. Uh, I see that there's a little bit of a lag in my video. So uh, uh, bear with me, folks. Hopefully I'm, I'm back now. Um, so those are the 10 simple steps. Now, one could argue that seems pretty straightforward. And one could also argue that it almost seems overly simplistic. And, and my value proposition of these 10 steps is it's very scientific, if you will, because you can experiment step by step. So the next time you have a decision, start with step one, start with the strategy. How does it map to the whole strategy? Own another business area and so on and so forth. You can use these steps and evaluate their effectiveness one step at a time. All right, so that's kind of literature I'm trying to give back to, to you, my audience here, and I wanted to leave you with some things that I tell clients when it comes to database decision making. See, a lot of times as I'm doing my consulting work, and let me do a sound check really quick. Uh, uh, those in the room, can you still hear me okay? I think I see a little bit of delay on my camera, but can you see me? Okay, yes, they can still hear me. Good, 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 thank you. All right, so when i'm doing my my consulting efforts a lot of times clients ask me like how how do we know if we or what's the means in which we should be um making sure that we're doing database decision making like how do we evaluate our practice and i've i've, I've broken it down to three questions okay three questions to ask when you want to analyze your own efforts in database decision making um so this is just according to me uh based on my my experience it, it not very well researched or anything like that, so I just want to preface that. Um, but here they are. Here are the three questions that I tell my clients. Let's let's ask ourselves these questions and let's do the analysis. So the first one is: Do we have the right information? Do we have the right information? In my in, from my standpoint, there is no such thing as enough data. You can always gather more data. The question is: Do you have the right data? So sometimes you only need one data point to make a decision. Sometimes you need a host of data points so it depends on what the decision is so the question is question number one do we have the right data the right information to answer the questions that we're trying to answer number two do we have the right people to analyze the data so more people is not always necessary right more people actually could actually 
could hinder database decision making because then you have the, the the old adage of too many cooks in the kitchen, right? So, um, but what you want is the right people. So subject matter experts, you want the doers that are affected by the performance, that do the performance, some senior staff members, maybe an external consultant or two, just you want people that know how to answer that question, right? And uh, more people is not always a good thing. And then the question number three that I ask clients is, do we have the authority to make decisions based on the data or do we recommend decisions to decision makers? So authority has a very high level of accountability, right? And so we have to essentially know our role. And if our role is the authority person, is the person that can make the decisions, then great. But if it's not our role, then more than likely it's, we need to propose, recommend decisions to be made and then position that with those stakeholders, those decision makers, because they have a high level of, uh, of accountability to the company. So those are my three questions to ask when analyzing database decision-making practices uh, in companies. And that is going to conclude today's Mondays with Manny. So I hope these resources were helpful to you and thinking about database-based decision-making most of us uh, who are working are constantly driven uh, by making decisions on a daily basis. And hopefully now you have some tools and techniques that you can use towards making database decisions. Have a great rest of your day, your Monday, and I will see you next time.